Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming back to the Weld.com podcast. Today, I have with me Craig Cowan from the Barefoot Forge. I have Dale Spilker and Cliff Dannis, who are two of our welding instructors and advisors to Weld.com. Um, all of these guys have been on our podcast previously, and we wanted to do an end of the year podcast special with a panel of advisors and um, Craig as a new guest host to our channel. So thanks for coming on, guys. Yes, yes. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm excited to meet all you guys. Yeah, you guys all just met each other briefly. I know you guys have seen each other's stuff, but you guys have never really spoke to each other. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, first off, you know, going into the new year, who wants to kind of go first? And I don't really want to dwell too much on this past year. I'd like to kind of talk about your plans for next year, because we know that everybody has had a lot of challenging things happen this year and, you know, last year and COVID just continues and continues so I kind of would like more of an upbeat kind of vibe from you guys. And I want to know where you guys are heading. Who's got it? I can go. Um, my plans going forward, as far as like welding education goes, I have an awesome group of students currently. And my uh, one of my main goals is just to continue pushing them to try not to make the education side of things stale for them. Also, I'm going to cover, with that said, um, I'm going to cover a little bit more uh, book work type things with them as well. We did a big, uh, big project to wrap up the year. And uh, coming into the new year, we have the Skills USA competition coming up as well. So we're going to be focusing a lot in the book and also a lot hands-on preparing them for the workforce because this is the last few months that I do have with them. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, yeah, it's, right. oh, Cliff, go ahead. You go. Yeah, it's kind of crunch time. I'm kind of with with Dale there. Um, after the first of the year, I mean, you see this big length of time before June, and and you're thinking June is so far away, but it's really not. Between seniors leaving certifications and getting your projects wrapped up, I mean this this is a really really quick time. And if you're not with it, it it sneaks up on you super bad. Yeah, just trying to to grow, get things wrapped up. I do a lot of project-based stuff, a lot of project-based learning. I try to get kids on, on different projects that, that we, we do for the community and, and we can sell for, for scholarship and, and all kinds of other cool stuff. And yeah, trying to expand on that and get those wrapped up. That's where I'm at. I do the opposite. So my average student is retired and <laughs> doesn't want a job. So we do non, um, like non-certification based classes, four hour classes, complete total intro to, Hey, you want to buy a welder and fix that hole in your lawnmower type classes. And I had a guy last night show up with a farmall cub. He literally brought his lawnmower to class. So, you know, that's a relatively average, uh, evening for me and moving forward. I just got this big new space and I'm really excited. The welding classes are selling out faster than I can possibly post them. I keep telling everyone I'm going to cancel them because they don't make any money anymore, but I really like teaching them and uh, I sell them all out and like immediately. So I don't know. This is the year that I get a lot of people addicted to welding and I'm excited about that. 
I love to hear that. Yeah, just so you guys know, since my schedule has freed up a little bit after New Year, I'm definitely going to go hang out with Craig and help him make some videos for um, Weld.com. So that should be interesting. And he's going to get me behind a welder so I can officially, oh, yeah. officially piss off my husband and get one for in the garage. Oh, we're going to get you so hooked on welding. You're going to weld so much stuff. You're going to melt some stuff with electricity some, uh, to some other stuff. And people are going to be like, wow, look at you. You melted that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly what happens. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys, especially like with everything going on with wages. Okay. So I'm sure that you guys have seen that you know, Walmart's advertising that they're like hiring for like 18 to $25 an hour. And I kind of wanted to get your feedback and see what you guys think about this. And also what are your students saying now for like entry level jobs? How do you guys feel that that's affecting like a starting wage for new welders? And what even would be a fair starting wage for a welder now that they're doing all that stuff? Oh man, that's a big question. Um, I, I, I guess I'm I'm sitting back and, and kind of looking at the overall situation, and you know I guess I don't have a, a good answer for that. You know I, I think a lot of it kind of boils down to your skill set, what qualifications you possess, possess as a welder. You know obviously a, a kid coming out of high school with no or little experience in the you know the job world you know, they aren't trying to make that 30, 40 an hour range. But then again, if, if I can go to McDonald's or I can go to Walmart and I can make that 15, 18, $20 an hour window, what's the incentive for a kid to go take that entry level position welding for 10, 12 bucks an hour? Yeah. I, I, I think it's tough. I'm curious to hear the other guys' feedback. I, I don't know. I'm uh, you know, you see wages go up kind of across the board when that stuff happens but yeah I, I don't know what do you guys think that is a uh that is a very 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 tough question and I you know I haven't had to cover that one necessarily in class but I've thought a lot about it and um you know welding is a very very rewarding trade and I push a lot of my students um that want to go into welding um, to, to think about it a little bit further than just welding, to think about the advancement opportunities that are offered in welding. You know, all of us have side hustles, as we can say, in the welding industry. And that's where a lot of welders tend to make their money. On um, that hourly wage, yes, um, it's a big thing with, you know, McDonald's, Walmart, Subway, those kind of places with wages jumping so high and very, very close to the starting wage as a welder. But really when we think about it, the benefits and then the advancement opportunities and the rewards that are associated with welding, are they there in those positions? Uh, I mean, we can argue maybe not. You don't get to build things for a living, but maybe there's an argument for the other side of the fence as well. I'm going to make the argument that um, a rising tide lifts all ships. And we didn't have, and still to a very large extent don't have, or I will say not to a very large extent, we don't have a sustainable living wage in America. And that's a fun problem. And the, the fact that employers are being forced to pay more money to get a, just a body, just a physical person to do a job, 
is good and it can be very good for welders. Um, let's say that McDonald's has to pay $30 an hour to find a person. They're going to find a robot. A welder builds a robot. So, and the, we're talking about entry level positions. Mm-hmm. An entry level position should be able to be something that you can actually live off of. And in a lot of cases, yeah, an entry level position that requires no schooling or no education shouldn't necessarily pay the same as an entry level position in something that does. But at the same time, the, 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 the welder's position is, can real rapidly grow from there. And the, the, there's limitless possibilities. I mean, if anyone who's a certified welder wants to become an underwater welder and make hundreds of dollars an hour, it's an option. I mean, it's a, it's a different option. <laughs> We've all, we all, we all know the risks associated with that one, but it does exist. And, you know, there, I think there's just, the skills will always exist. The skills will always flow to the front and uh, the, the things that are easier are always going to be um, less valued. And sometimes we have to make adjustments as a society and hopefully things uh, level out. I just think that it's really messed up. I saw something that actually bothered me a little bit based on the cost of food going up, the cost of gas and everything else in our economy. Basically, if you did not get a six and a half percent raise this year, you actually took a pay cut. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's why I, I love people that, well, let me rephrase that. I hate people that um, like argue against that and they're like, oh, well, you know, entry-level positions should always be, you know, the bare minimum, something no one wants. Well, it turns out we have, every employer has an entry level mm-hmm. and they always will. And it has to be something they can get people for. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. So what do you guys think is the current perception of entering the skilled trades? So not only like welding, but I mean, also like what you do, Craig, and also even construction and driving truck and like all of those things. What do you guys kind of think is like the current perception? Do you think people are starting to see that that is a quicker way to enter a job rather than going to a university for four years and, you know, find, and then like getting a psych degree and then not finding a job. What do you guys think about that right now? Um, uh, go ahead, Cliff. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel good right now. I feel that I'm sitting in my position as a welding teacher because people are taking the trades more serious than they have in the past couple decades. And for my local area, my local economy, you know, I, I, I do see that. And the, the funding that we get, the grants that were, that are available to us, um, the community support, um, my advisory committees and, and working with local industries I mean, yeah, I think I think it is on the uptick and on the upswing. Absolutely. And that's that's super cool because, you know, I'm not saying I graduated years and years ago. I graduated in 08. I mean, it was kind of a different story. And, you know, that wasn't, you know, hundreds of years ago. But, yeah, I definitely see an uptick. I see an upswing. 100 percent. I'll echo what uh, what Cliff is saying that uh, 
I don't think it's ever been better. I have, um, I have multiple students in both of my classes that are, if not top in their class, they're very, very close to their class, top of their class. And when I say top of their class, I'm speaking to GPA levels. So that kind of just shows me that it's a little bit different than when I went to school where it was, you know, the bottom of the barrel students that they're trying to bring into these trades programs. I think it's become a lot more attractive to those students that, you know, may traditionally have been down that four-year college track. I think the trades are much better. I think the trades are a fantastic solution to a lot of problems these days. Uh, I did not go the trades route. I have a degree that is based in geology and uh, it costs a lot of money. And now I hit things with a hammer for a living. So I, you know, I was of a generation where everyone was taught you have to go, you have to go to college, you have to go to college, you have to go to college. And everyone ended up with these crazy student loans that they just can't ever repay. I mean, I have friends that they will never be able to pay off their student loans. And Mm -hmm. I have friends that went the, um, the trades route straight out of high school that bought their dream car while I was still in college. You know, they're making, they're making a sustainable living. They're building a future. And I don't think that's always the case. I think there's absolutely value and merit in, in the college track um, and the sciences and things like that. But with that said, I think the trades are uh, there's a lack there. There's a, there's a, there's a shortage and it's a great time to get into them. There's money in it. I think so. We hear so much, like even our forum has picked up so much. Like we had just relaunched our website in May and it's crazy to see how many people have been on there posting and they're, I mean, you guys answer questions on there, Dale and Cliff, you guys will answer some questions. And there are people who are just like those hobbyists and they say like, what welder should I get? I'm going to go to Harbor Freight and buy one. And I actually did send Jeff to go do a video. He went into a store and looked at the welders that were available and did like a comparison to show like, Hey, like this is what's out there for like people who want to walk into a store and go buy one. So um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy how much interest there is in it and that people really do want to do things themselves. Like Craig says, there are a lot of people who are interested in watching a YouTube video or taking a class to do things themselves. Like they're being like more, they're relying on their own skill set instead of just hiring somebody to fix something. Not everyone wants to start a career in this, Yeah, but a lot of people want to start, um, the ability and I, here, here's the way I always describe welding to people. And th- this is something I'm really proud of how I, I like to describe. But if, if you don't have welding in your life as a metal worker, you exist in a state of subtraction. If you're a machinist, I have a mill, I have a lathe, they're, they're right over there. And I can take a huge chunk of metal and I can form them into whatever it is I want using the mill and the lathe. I can subtract material until I have what I want. And I can go through life making amazing things using only subtraction but the second i add in welding i added in addition and the second you add addition there's a way more efficient way to make things and it just opens all these possibilities you just you added half of math and that's what welding is welding is the ability to just do addition in a way that no woodworker can ever do you know 
those guys dream of being able to just like structurally add more wood on when they cut it twice and it was still too short. And we can do that. And I think so many people see that potential and they see that hole in their life. And they're like, look, there's a giant hole in my lawnmower. Let's just fix it. I think welding makes people so much more sustainable because they get excited about the concept of, okay, my muffler fell off, but I can put it back on. And I love that. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, Craig. Yeah, I, I agree. So he kind of led into a question I have to ask all of you guys. What do you think is the most underrated tool but it's indisposable to you. Like you couldn't live without it. He's looking around his shop. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you one, one tool that I've, that has found a way into my, uh, into my everyday, everyday carry, I guess we can say, okay. um, is a Pika marker. Um, it is awesome. It's uh, kind of a Sharpie, but it clips onto the inside of your pocket and can be you can grasp it with one hand and it's immediately ready to use. You don't have to take a cap off or anything like that. For those of you that have Amazon, you can buy them in uh, three packs, look them up. You know, they've, they've changed the way I do things in a way, that's for sure. But don't use them on hot material, unfortunately. Okay, you got to get a temp stick for that. All right, Cliff, you're up. Man, what's my favorite tool to use? Uh, I hate it, but I love it, but I hate it. Um, <laughs> my, my phone. So I hate that when kids are on their phone, I, it bugs me to no end. But the minute I don't have an answer to something or the minute I want to look something up or look further into something or even use a calculator, you know, to, to make a diagonal or a, a measurement or, you know, the, the kids are, are always, they aren't all mathematicians. So, you know, if, if you need to throw something by them, if I need to add numbers, add fractions, they bust that calculator out. It's kind of like everything's right there, the tip of your finger. And, and I love it, but I hate it, but I love it. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one for me. Craig, Craig. I would say my favorite tools in the shop are safety equipment and without going on a delightful rant on the importance of safety glasses, uh, along with an eyewash station and hearing protection, I would go with the tool, the tool that I use in the shop. Like it is my full-time job is an angle grinder. And I have, <laughs> this is embarrassing. There are 14 angle grinders in my shop right now. Oh my God. Hanging <laughs> I do everything I can to avoid the grinder. I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I feel like an expert in angle grinders and their attachments. And the one I think is the, uh, there's two that I just think are like, everyone needs. There's a Milwaukee powered one that you plug into the wall that has variable speed because I think this is like the coolest thing that no one ever taught metal workers, but 
different things run at different speeds <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's like so stupid that angle grinders run at this one speed but if you put a wire wheel on it like it's not really quite made for that speed and if you slow the thing down it works better you get less wires stuck in your safety glasses and your leg and your face etc cetera, etc cetera, and they last longer and they work better um, so that's, that's amazing. And then the, another one, again, I'm not sponsored by Milwaukee. These are just the tools I like the Milwaukee battery powered one, because I throw this like six amp hour battery on that thing. And I got one of each sitting with a flap wheel, uh, a grinding disc and a cutting wheel on them. They've always all, all got a full battery on them. And it is just so nice not to have the cord. And it just makes life so easy when you're like, hey, I'm about to weld this thing and I was going to weld through the scale and this, that and the other thing. But like, I don't know, let's put 15 seconds in and make it not so crappy. And then you just solve it. And it's fantastic. So I learned a long time ago, I'm a lazy person and I can solve that with money. And if I have enough angle grinders that each one has their own attachment on them, I actually get so much more life out of that attachment that I actually potentially save enough money that it wasn't more expensive to have more angle grinders. So to answer your question, it's an angle grinder. I love them. Yeah, I can hear that in your voice. You're very... I'm passionate. Yeah, they're not even a partner of Weld.com. That was a real testimonial right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have spent a lot of money on angle grinders. And yeah, I spent a lot of money on angle grinders. <laughs> nice. So do you guys have like, you know how like there are like myths about like certain like professions or jobs? What is like a myth of being a blacksmith? Do you think, Craig? Like what's something that people think about blacksmiths that is like not true? Uh, the one I always go with is that every blacksmith needs to make their own tools. And I always tell people as a beginner, if your first task that everyone tells you is you need to make your own tongs, that's a horrible idea. You don't know what you're doing. If your first project is making your own tools, they're going to suck. And then everything else is going to suck. Don't do that. Find someone that sells those tools. So I would say it's that somehow people got this impression that they need to make everything, but mm -hmm. you can, you can make everything. That doesn't mean you need to. Okay. What about you, Dale? What do you think is a common myth about, uh, let's say a welding instructor specifically. Oh man, that's a tough one. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. What, what myths are there about welding instructors? Well, We're mythical that, creatures. Yeah, no, like some <laughs> kind of like stereotype kind of like what you, like people think you do, but that's not really at all what you do. Well, um, to that respect, Maybe my wife, for instance, she says, uh, she says that I don't weld at all anymore. And I, <laughs> That's I mean, it kind of sounds ridiculous because I'm constantly welding. And I'll tell you, being a welding instructor is not just all welding. It's, you know, there's a lot of paperwork associated with it, especially being in the public education sector, you know, grades, all those types of things, tests, you have to make those things. Um, but as far as myths go, I, I really don't know. No, I like what oh, you said. Even, even for a welder, I'm not sure. 
I haven't met your wife, but I like her now. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff, do you have anything person. to add? Uh, I was terrible at working with computers and, until I started teaching and I had to do that stuff. I don't know. The, the myth that I see, and, I, and I've met a couple, you know, is that, you know, you've got to be this incredible, fantastic welder to be a welding teacher. And I mean, yeah, it helps to make pretty welds. And don't get me wrong, I can lay down some pretty slick looking beads. But there's a lot, like, like Dale said, there's a lot more to a welding class than, than just welding. Welding is one piece of that puzzle. And you're giving a, a kid lots of tools that he can use in life and in his job and whatever they tackle after the classroom. And, you know, welding is just a piece of that. It's not, it's not the end of the day. It's not the, the grand show, you know? I mean, yeah, we try to teach a kid how to weld and how to make welds up pretty, but God, there's a lot to it. Welding, fabrication, blueprint reading, um, career advancement, career education, um, just overall work ethic you're trying to build. I mean, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Well, and I can touch on that one more time because I think one of the things I hear a lot from a small business perspective, and so many welders are small businesses, they're doing their side hustle. Even if you're a welding instructor, you're going to do some fab on the side, some of this, that, and the other thing. And I always love people who tell me, oh man, that must be great. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> yeah. You'll work all of them and it starts to suck your soul out. <laughs> If you ever want to lose interest in the thing that you love, turn it into a business. <laughs> It'll do that. I mean, it's great. I, I love my job, yada, yada, yada. But it's I, I work ridiculous hours. And it's just really fun when people think that that's not work. And they try to dissociate what work is. And um, anyone who's ever done any fab side hustle knows that. Uh, you know, yeah, you go home, you're at your house, you're making stuff at your house, but like you're making a mess that you have to deal with. You're taking time away from your family. You're taking all that stuff away. And I think that's the greatest myth of it all is when people think if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Dale, you're shaking your head. Yeah. I know that you have like a lot of crafts and stuff like that, that you started doing. So you probably relate to that. Oh my gosh. I never stop working. It's I'm sitting here making lists of things that I need to do. So I'm returning emails I mean, I right now. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, I, I feel both of those things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I definitely, I couldn't agree even anymore. Yeah. Cliff, you started your business. So how's that going for you? Did you get it up and running? Cause the last time you and I talked, I think that you were getting your paperwork still situated and, and stuff like that, right? I did. Yeah, I did. And I, and I did a lot of work over the summer. And, you know, I guess, in my mind, I hope I kind of laid the groundwork and the foundation for what I hope to build on in the future. Yeah, just, you know, from never being a business owner to starting at the very, very beginning stages of it, filing, you know, tax papers for your your identification number and your tax opening bank accounts, um, getting an accountant involved, getting, you know, all the little details set up that you don't necessarily think about when you get into it, but you got to think about it once you're into it. 
and uh yeah it was it was it was a process yeah and then on top of that the work that you're physically doing so yeah so what are you gonna do exactly in your new business so we do we actually kind of do a lot of things and i i don't try to overcomplicate it but there, there's quite a lot of things that i could do um the big thing that i market is is cwi services so welder qualification procedure qualification um destructive non-destructive testing and welder training i mean if you don't know how to weld i'm a, I'm a welding educator i can I can show you how to weld or show you what to weld. And if you've never put procedures on the books and had your procedure set up the right way, you know, there's a lot of small businesses up here and, and I'm not knocking small business, but you know, they, they always don't have every single duck in a row and helping people n negotiate the legality side of welding. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. How long did it take so, yeah. for you to get your CWI? Um, so I always paid a, I always had a knack for like asking questions to a fault. You know, when I was in industry working, I would aggravate the heck out of supervisors and foremans because I would ask questions and they were like, well, you don't need to know. So, I mean, the foundation has, has been going on for a long time, but the actual CWI process is, is a simple application. You go through the AWS, um, they have a criteria that you got to meet. If you meet the criteria, you, you pay the fee and you schedule a test. Um, I went down to Troy, Ohio to Hobart to take their two-week course. Mm -hmm. um, they've got incredible instructors and, and it was a really packed two weeks. And, uh, you know, from filling out the paperwork to taking the two-week prep course to to get in my CWI, I mean, that was probably a six month process. Okay, that's good to know. We might have to have another um, podcast episode, you and I about becoming a CWI, because that's definitely something that people are interested in, but I don't want to talk about it too much because I think we could definitely have a full conversation about it, but I appreciate you sharing sure. that though. Yeah, I, I, think, I think people should do it, absolutely. So Jessica, I, get, I just yeah. I just thought of a great um, concept for you for an episode when okay. Cliff was talking about all the work he put into starting his small business. And you should find someone who's an expert in that. Just come on and talk to, um, you know, side hustlers about the general concept of starting their own small business. Like what, you know, I mean, not necessarily a step-by-step -step process, but hey, this is what an LLC is and why yeah. you might want one. And here's what insurance looks like. And here's what, you know, you can't just pick a name. You need a trademark and uh, yada, yada, yada. And I think you could totally make a fantastic episode that would be very poignant and pointed towards welders and side hustlers that want to turn this into a real thing. Yeah, I, I had to do that. That was a pain. Absolutely. Picking between an LLC or incorporate or a DBA. Yeah, there's a lot of well, variation. One of the things I love is these people that don't think at all about their name. They're just like, oh, this is the name I want to go with. And then it's five years later, they find out someone else has legally owns that name. <laughs> and it's like, so now you're not that name. Um, I mean, you can sue them, but you're going to lose, uh, <laughs> you know, you need to, there's, there's a procedure and I think you could probably find an expert that can take you through those procedures 
and lay it all out at least in a basic way yeah that's a great idea i'll definitely look into that i want to get back to pretty welds i don't know who said it somebody said something about teaching people to make pretty welds this is something that drives me crazy on instagram because a lot of people talk about it look look at it like it love it man looks amazing But what I've learned over the past year and working with all of you guys is actually that the color of the weld can actually indicate a bad weld. So what exactly does that mean from from your perspective as being, especially everybody, all of you are educators in some form. So what do you guys think about that? When When I think of a pretty weld, I interpret a pretty weld as a weld that is cosmetically appealing. It looks uniform. It looks consistent. It's, you know, free of tons of splatter and it's free of, you know, undercut, slag inclusions. Basically a pretty weld is a cosmetically appealing weld, which means there's not a lot of discontinuities to it and I interpret that as a pretty sound weld. You gotta have all your variables and all your ducks in a row to to make that weld pretty. What I've always heard and what drives me up the wall is that someone will say, well, she's not pretty, but she'll hold. No, no, that's, that's not how that works. If you've got a hideous weld with tons of cold roll and lack of fusion and it, and it looks hideous, it's, it's not strong. No, no, that's wrong. That's, I don't, I wholeheartedly don't believe in that. And uh, maybe, maybe that's just me being me, but yeah, I, I interpret a, a weld that's pretty as a sound weld because it's, it's free of discontinuity. Now the color stuff, um, are you talking in like stainless? Yeah. Or like, like TIG welding. Yeah. Like people will post like one that looks like you know, a rainbow and they're like, man, it's so pretty. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not really all it's supposed to be. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with your shielding gas Mm -hmm. and and gas coverage. And yeah, it can, it can affect a lot. Dale, you did a lot of stainless welding, didn't you? Uh, To some degree, but I, I will tell you that, you know, the color isn't necessarily a good thing because it, to some degree, that means your heat affected zone has been extended. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, with steels and then with some stainless steels, with stainless steel, it, you could have affected the integrity of that material by trying to achieve that colorful weld um, to the essence that you might even have made that stainless steel not stainless anymore. Um, and when I say that, I mean more, um, more, uh, more likely to rust. Um, there's, there's several things that can play into that. Um, but like Cliff was hitting on, the shielding gas is, is a major factor, especially when we're speaking more to TIG welding. Mm-hmm. Um, but the heat affected zone is one of the most important things with the weld. That's, that's, where, that's where the weaknesses lie in a lot of senses. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yep. Now, the difference between an ugly weld and a pretty weld Um, I tell my students all the time that you don't have to be the best welder to become a welder for a living. All you have to do is show up every day. But with that said, um, a pretty weld is is a very, very good thing. 
but a pretty well doesn't necessarily 100% mean that it's acceptable all the time. Um, now, when you have an ugly well, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's unacceptable all the time because it does have to only meet the minimum acceptance criteria for the code, um, whatever code that may be that you're, that you're working to. Um, that's why, you know, there's different pages on Instagram that uh, have you like, I don't know, give a well to specific rating or yeah, something like, like rate that. My I well. don't necessarily yeah. enjoy those. Huh? Yeah. yeah, rate my well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because we don't know what's going on on the inside of those welds. You know, some of them are groove welds and things like that. There's several different things that play into a good weld. Was, was the groove prepared properly? Did it have the right root opening? Is it designed uh, correctly? Those types of things are things that I tend to overthink when we think about uh, those rate my weld type situations. Hey guys, I want to remind you that you can go to our YouTube channel and now you can become a member by clicking the membership tab. Here you can have access to loyalty badges next to your name and your comments and the chat, custom emojis, early bird access, as well as some exclusive videos as well to members only, member shout outs, priority replies to comments and technical advice, and there'll be some members only pools. We have some exciting projects coming up and different ways we're going to be giving back to the welding community. So we look forward to seeing you there. Craig, do you have anything to say about pretty welds? No, I just make pretty welds and I tell people to make any weld that works and uh, just make a, make a weld that works. I mean, I'm not teaching people to take certification classes. And if you put, if you took the hole out of the thing and you put new metal in, that's probably pretty good. Um, so yeah, good, good job. Win. When he was making his rack, the video is going to be coming out pretty soon when you were making your material rack, Craig, and you were making the welds and you had it on the table and you'd go, looks good enough to me (laughs) the standard went down because uh you know i mean i was at that for a couple hours and once i realized the wall wasn't straight and the floor wasn't straight why did the thing have to be straight so (laughs) like i mean whatever we've all been there it's if i'm welding a muffler hanger on your car and you're a buddy of mine and i'm doing it for free it's probably not gonna rust off again (laughs) it's gonna be fine it doesn't have to look good it it's going to be fine. He cracks me so, up. I don't know. People put too much pressure and emphasis on that in everyday life. Just it depends well- on the application. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Yes, it does. So- yeah. If you're building a, a crane, if you're building a crane, don't take my advice. But I'm not going to give you advice on how to build a crane. I'm going to yeah. give you advice on how to fix your lawnmower. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be fine. Nice. My husband would literally just go buy a new one. I swear. He would. If his, if the lawnmower got a hole in it, he would 100% go buy a new one. The thing that's crazy to me is how many students come to me because there's a hole in their lawnmower. Like I started that as a joke, but like, dude, lawnmowers suck. (laughs) It's just, there's holes in every lawnmower. And people bring them to my to the to my students all the time yeah all the time the mower decks all those types of things and i hate working on them i hate it 
I, I bought a Forrest Gump snapper lawnmower a couple of years ago, just an old iron brick of a lawnmower. And uh, yeah, that thing is bulletproof. I'll tell you what, they don't build them like they used to. But before that cliff, how many lawnmowers did you repair? Oh, too many. Yeah, I yeah. would throw them out <laughs> and they had a hole in them. I did exactly what Jess did. They just all end up with a hole somehow. That's either in the engine block or the deck. Well, if it's in the engine block, it's a different problem. You guys do know <laughs> you're supposed to mow the grass, not the rocks, right? Relative. <laughs> but if I can't see the rock because my grass is so long that I haven't mowed it in a while and I hit the rock, so things well, like you're not cutting it, period. You're not cutting it often enough then. That's what you know, I really I really don't. I'm that guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> So here's a question for all of you. If you could go back 20 years ago and give yourself advice to be doing what you're doing now better or to have got there faster, what advice would you give your younger self? Craig? Well, 20 years ago, I would have been 13 years old. And my advice to myself at that time would have probably been uh, horrible. So I don't, I don't have any thoughts on that. <laughs> okay, Dale. Yeah, I, I would have been 11 years old. And I think the, the, uh, the best advice I would have given was to pay attention in school. Um, now that doesn't necessarily play much into being a welder in a lot of respects, maybe a math class or something like that, but, um, pay attention in school would be one of the main ones. But I mean, even if we're just talking 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I wouldn't have changed much about what I've done. I, I enjoy where I'm at in life. I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy all of that. Okay, good. good Yeah, I think. I think I got where I am because I made a lot of really big mistakes and figured out how not to repeat those mistakes. So would I have gotten it to the same place if I wouldn't have made those? I don't know. That's a good point. I think this all the time because do you ever see those things that say if you could choose between $10 million right now or going back 10 years and like fixing all your mistakes, I would take the money right now because I'm here. I know like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how I am. I wouldn't go back and change anything. I would literally take the money. Do you, yeah. you guys take the money? Someone gave me $10 million. I would run as fast as I could <laughs> all the way to the bank. I would do a fair amount of things on my OnlyFans page for $10 million. Oh my God, stop it. You gotta throw up the link. Yeah. OnlyFans.com slash the Barefoot Forge. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Check it out. Awesome. It's good for you. I couldn't I'd do it. probably I'd take that money and I would uh <laughs> and I'd buy more tools. Ten million dollars worth of tools. I mean there's a lot I imagine of really the cool garage. Imagine the garage we would have. We yeah. had ten million. Man, that would be awesome. Wouldn't it? Well, at that point, it's not a garage. It's it's a huge shop. It's a warehouse. You have a golf cart to ride from each tool. 
I have a lot of garage envy because I have a, I don't have a big one and I want a big one. Oh, everyone has envy if you have a big one and you don't have a big one. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you, you just walked yourself right into that cliff. I can't even help. Uh, damn it. We're going to have to I want, I want a, big, I want a bigger garage is all I'm trying to say. I, I, I got a lot of stuff I got to put in a sheltered, shedded oh, area. That we're just I need gonna keep going. Damn it! Yourself. All right, here we go. You can solve it with money, and if you just give enough money, you can end up with this, which is well, just ridiculous. Jess just, just said she was giving us ten million dollars, so I'm waiting on that. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. All right, you guys are all you're all on the list then, because I don't even know what I would do with ten million dollars. I'd go on vacation. That's what I'm doing. I'm going somewhere. I don't know where. I told everybody to get me luggage for Christmas, but I don't know where I'm even going. I just wanted new luggage. So we have, I think we covered pretty much everything that I had for you guys. Does anybody have any questions for me? I have a question for everyone. Okay. Tell me about your favorite pet that you've had. And it's not necessarily the pet you've currently got, but like that one time you set up that badass aquarium as a kid or the ant farm you had as a child. Like, Dale, why don't we start with you? What's, what's a good pet you've had? I'd say my current, my current dog is one of my favorites. I have a, uh, a German shepherd. His name's Cal. And he is, um, to put this nicely, we'll say developmentally delayed. So he's yeah. not the smartest, smartest tool in the shed, but he is one of the sweetest, sweetest dogs you can ever imagine. He, he truthfully cares for you, um, which is, which is unique. You know, some pets you just kind of look at and you don't really think that they care about anything, but you can definitely tell he cares. Cliff, what's your best pet? Man, I, I got spoiled. I grew up with a Husky. Her nice. name was Shadow. And, uh, this dog had a lot of anxiety when it would come inside. So this, we, we grew up in the country. We didn't have close neighbors. So we had an outdoor dog and this dog was pure bred, just born to be outside. And that dog would go anywhere. It would go in the fields. It would go on walks. It would go on the woods and Northern Michigan winters are pretty rough. This thing would, it, it wouldn't come inside. You know, we had a, a dog shed that we would put hay and straw in and you know it's it's food and it, it wouldn't go in there it would just sit outside and that's what it loved to do it loved being outside so whenever I was young and I was outside I I remember that dog it was it was awesome shadow where was awesome. where in where in northern Michigan are you Cliff I'm in the UPA I'm up west of Escanaba oh. I'm way that's, up here. that's as north yeah yeah you can't you can Canada's next that's next. Yeah. Nice. Jessica, what yeah. was your favorite pet? <laughs> so, <laughs> I've had a lot of dogs and cats and I love those animals. And I have two dogs right now. However, whenever I was little, I grew up in the country as well. We had a pond in our backyard and I caught a turtle out of the pond. I took it in the house and I kept it in my bedroom for about a good week. I fed it like vegetables and I let it sleep in my bed <laughs> and That's I named terrifying. it Scooby 
And my mom, when I came home one day from school and I found out that my mom let that turtle go, I was so upset because that was literally like my favorite animal. I love that turtle. Like you ever see those big turtles, like in pet stores, like the tortoises, Mm -hmm. I thought that he was going to grow up to be like a really huge turtle. And I love that turtle. She made me get rid of it. So, and this was, this was like last year, right? This was like whenever I was probably like 14. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That was my favorite pet, though. That's a great pet. Yeah. Cool. I I have other questions, but we don't have to get into all of them. I just thought I'd bring one up because Jessica thought she had all of them. Yeah. No, I know you were gonna have questions like aliens. Of course. Or you want to talk about like med beds, like how these aliens have like med beds you can go in and they'll cure cure like any ailment that you have. No, that's weird. But how about what? Okay, so favorite fast food restaurant and what do you order? Easy. I get a double cheeseburger from McDonald's. You get the meal? No, I just get just the burger and a sweet tea. Why just wouldn't you get the meal then? I don't know. Sometimes I just don't want the fries. Sometimes I just want the double cheeseburger. I mean, I feel like you're 50 cents away from having the fries. I guess so. But sometimes I just don't want it. I already have the guilt from getting the burger. Yeah. Do you get it as it's ordered or do you, do you specify things? Do you customize that? No, I just get it the way that it comes. Good. Yeah. Cliff, what, what's your go-to, uh, what's your go-to fast food? Uh, you know, there's not a heck of a lot of close fast food where I'm at, but there is, there is a Culver's man. I'm, I'm a sucker for a mushroom Swiss from Culver's. I tell you what, them suckers are delicious. I have no idea what that is. So. Is that a Culver's? Culver's? You've never had? No. Oh, it's, no. it's, probably, it's a Wisconsin thing. That makes sense. Okay. But whatever, a mushroom swish? Swiss. Oh, okay. So a burger. No, I yeah. Mushroom oh, it's Swiss. a burger? I thought it was a hoagie. I thought it was a no. shake. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. A mushroom shake? No. It sounded oh, horrible. I don't know what you guys do up there. <laughs> it didn't sound good. Dale, what's no. your go-to? Um, does Pizza Hut count? Absolutely yeah. can. Yeah, Pizza Hut, 100%. The breadsticks at Pizza Hut, can't beat them. Good. They're, they're pretty good, but I always get heartburn when I go there. Me too. I can't eat it. We literally have one of the last standing Pizza Huts like by our house, and I never eat there because it makes me like ill. I can't. I'm a Taco Bell fan, so yeah. I've got the lowest bar here, and uh, I recognize that the, the sickness comes, but it's part of it. It's part of it's part of my culture. Their, you know their menu is their menu is flip flopping too often. They're always taking off yeah. the good stuff. Well, the gordita was the best. I mean, I think there will be a whole generation of people that speak of the gordita like it was fantastic, yeah. and it's gone. That's true. They do always take stuff off and then they bring it back like to hype it up. Like, I don't even know what the point is. Like, if you sell a lot of it, why do you keep taking it off? Well, look at the McRib. That's the McRib the comes and goes. Worst, like it's, Worst menu yeah. option there is, is the McRib. I've never, I've never had one. Oh, it's made of mechanically separated pork. I bought it to see what it tastes like. I took one bite and threw it away. It looks it's, gross. It's unique. Yeah, it's literally shaped 
like it's a shaped meat. Yeah, it's a shaped meat. It's they molded the meat. Yeah. They shredded the meat and then remolded it. Yeah, like spam, but in a rib form. It's amazing. It is. What I have one last question for you guys. What other podcast would you suggest for our listeners? Because I'm interested what you would say, Craig, because a lot of people that um, watch, you know, wealth.com videos or listen to this are hobbyists too. So I definitely want your input and then Cliff and Dale as well. So there's a podcast that stopped recording about a year and a half ago, but it's still out there um, called Made for Profit. It's John Malecki and Brad, uh, Brad Rodriguez. And it's all about how to grow your woodworking business into a business. And that's really what got me started as a business. And I'm not a woodworker. I just, you know, every time they said table saw, I replaced it with plasma cutter and it kind of worked out. So I would recommend that there's a lot of good advice, a lot of good interviews. And, um, that's the thing that grew my business more than anything else. Okay. Guys, Dale. Um, I mean, obviously this one. But um, as far as like welding podcasts go, I, I like the Art Junkies podcast. Um, and then not necessarily just welding. I listen to a lot of comedians podcasts as well while I'm working. Um, and I like I like those a bunch as well. Not necessarily on topic of welding, but you know, it gets your mind in a different place sometimes. So what's your favorite? I like Theo Vaughn's podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, um, Burt Kreischer, Tom Segura, those guys. Okay. Cliff, you have any good podcasts? I have a lack of podcasts in my life. Yeah, I'm not a huge podcaster. I'm not. Um, but I mean, I've listened to this one. I've listened to you talk to a few people I've liked. Um, I've recently tried to start listening like Dale said to the art junkie stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, I respect the hell out of those guys. So I'm, I'm trying to tune into that when I can. And uh, I always found myself listening to podcasts when I was on the road, traveling to different jobs. And I always used to um, ride around a lot with a guy named Mike and he was a diehard uh, Joe Rogan guy. I always thought he had some pretty good stuff. So he was always listening to him and I just have to be with him. Basically how that would work. All right. Well, that's about all that I have for you guys. And I really appreciate all of you coming onto the podcast. I will link all of your profiles for Instagram on the post whenever I schedule this. And just so everybody knows, our podcasts do have a new day and time. They are on Mondays now at 11 a.m., because we looked at this year in review and it said that that was the most listened to time. So that's what it is now. Cool. So thank you guys for coming on. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. I will talk to you guys again next week.